0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Thursday Morning MV Pro Call. Today is September 3rd, 2020, and I'd like to welcome those of you that are here live as well as those of you listening to this via recording, which, of course, you can do by going to uh, Google Podcasts or iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast application you use and subscribing to Motor Vitality, um, and uh, then you'll be able to listen to lots and lots of these, afterwards, we usually do the day or two before we get them uploaded, um, but uh, they're they're usually there. Um, although uh, we do appreciate having you on live, because I like it to be a discussion. You know, for so Steve, your your first time on today, I can tell you that um, sometimes we'll have a topic, and then we'll we'll start with that that topic or have an idea of that topic, but a question will come up that we sort of have discussion on that those, those are always my favorite calls because on this call we talk about things that happen with uh, all of us, regardless of which manufacturer we represent or which products we carry. It's things that we all run into in the home every day. Um, and so, uh, we like to have those discussions. Um, so I definitely appreciate having everybody on live but understand that there's a lot of you out there that listening to this. I, I like hearing from you, you know, like on occasion you guys will send me an email or a comment on something uh, from one of the calls. And I always appreciate that too. Um, I do want to let you guys know that still, and we've been going through this for the last couple of weeks, our website is still experiencing some maintenance issues. The end result from this is supposed to be a faster, better, smoother website with a lot more tools and a lot more, um, capabilities than what it had before. It was very slow before and, and just sort of a behemoth. We moved it to a different server, and there, there's still some glitches as we get that fixed. So, so please be patient with us. Um, we will send out a message to everybody letting you know when it's when it's back and up, up and running, which I'm hoping will be today or tomorrow. Um, but uh, um, just wanted to let you guys know that that, that, is, that is going on. So I want to start the call off the way I do every week, um, except those where we have a guest speaker, and that is by, by asking, was there anything anybody learned this last week that you wish you had known before? Anything that happened that is worthy of sharing with other professionals across the country? Or uh, anything that we can help you with? Anything going on?
1: I have a, a quick thing. Uh, I know I always refer back to my Facebook. I promise I'm not on Facebook all the time. But uh, just things I see in my news feed. And uh, one of the things I saw this week or just yesterday, as a matter of fact, I had a personal friend that had posted something. And it was uh, something that stated that well, it looks like when you have soft water, you shouldn't be using the detergent pod. Um Happy 16th anniversary to me, I get to get a new um, uh, dishwasher. And so I commented back and explained how, you know, if you look in your dishwasher owner's manual that it'll tell you how much soap to use. and you know, kind of, we put into discussion, you know, make sure you look and Frigidaire states only use two teaspoons as opposed to using the pots, et cetera. And she's like, I really wish I would have known with the last two uh, dishwashers that I purchased. And she says, it was just expressed to me when I had a repairman come out and he said that the issue that I was having was due to those pads. Um, And using the the finish type uh, the rinse aids. And so I ended up in conversation with um, quite a few of her friends that were like, I never knew this. This explains why I have etching on my glasses and, and so on and so forth. So this goes back to the fact that we really do need to educate our customers on how much soap they should be using, especially in the dishwasher. If they have their dishwasher owner's manual, ask them if they want to pull it out. Or I always keep a copy laminated um, of the Frigidaire dishwasher owner's manual where it has a hardness chart that's very similar to the Water Quality Association hardness chart and it's states. Your teaspoons is all you need when you're um, when you're using dishwasher detergent uh, or when you have soft water and if you have 12 or more grains of hardness then you're filling up both sides and it literally says water softener recommended also mentions if you use too much soap then it will cause etching so again just make sure you're educating that i usually do that um on the actual sales appointment but i remind them when we do the follow-up that's one of the questions is are you using less soaps than detergents so just a gentle reminder so, for, to everybody so,
0: so let's go back to the basics and for some of you where this is like a duh conversation i i get that but jen you make a really good point even for and this maybe even especially for veteran salespeople, people that have been out there a long time in the home okay so Let's just break this down to the basics for a second. According to the U.S. Geologic Survey, 85% of the homes in America have hard water. That means that anybody who makes anything to work in water, they're going to make it to work in hard water, okay? So everybody who makes anything that is designed to work with water, they're going to design it to where it works with water with hardness in it, because if only 15% of the people have naturally soft water, then... Um, you know, economically, it just doesn't make as much sense to do that. Um, so if you that, – that includes your soap manufacturers. Now, in terms – people treat their water every, – everybody that has hard water, even those who don't have hard water, they treat their water for hardness. And the reason – the way they do that is chemically. So there are two ways to soften your water. You can do it chemically or you can do it mechanically, okay? Most people, the vast majority of the people, those 85% of the homes in America that have hard water, they're doing that chemically. They're doing it by the soaps and detergents that they, that they buy and purchase. One of the first things that I do when we bring a new sales professional in and we're training them is take them over to the grocery store, to the soap aisle, and we look at all the products that stay right on the very front of them for hard water scale, for iron, for soap scum buildup, for all these things that, that is caused from the you know, you usually have the squeegees there, you have the the window cleaners, the glass cleaners, the hardness removal, the, the all of that stuff is there. And it's it's always interesting to me because no matter what time of day we we go and we start looking at the soap aisle, you see customers come by and grab that that bottle, that spray bottle of C L R or the works or or their shower spray, or whatever they're using. Those people are treating their water chemically. And they're also doing it in their dishwasher, like you're talking about. They, pods are easy, and, and they, and man, they've gone, you know, everybody in America likes them because that's what we Americans do. We like it quick and easy and fast, and, and you know, we don't want to have to pour. That's just, you know, silliness. Um, to have to pour something out of there, but, or scoop and put powder in. They like those pods. The blue stuff or the red stuff or whatever, or it just even jet dry in general, what that is is extra chemical softener. That that chemical softener goes in and surrounds the hardness mineral. It keeps it from sticking to your glasses and your dishes, and, and and allows the soap to work, okay? The reason cheap soaps, generic cheap soaps don't work for a lot of people is because what makes them cheap is they don't have a lot of those chemical water softeners in them, okay? And so... Um, they don't, you know, they, they don't work for most people because most people have hard water, right? So when we go into the home, we have to explain to people that choice. You have a choice of treating your water, either chemically or mechanically. If you choose to treat it mechanically by purchasing a water softener, it doesn't make sense to continue to treat the water chemically. And so the answer to that, and this is, by the way, how you do offset the cost of the, of the water softener. And you can demonstrate this. This is, why, this is why a lot of manufacturers or the sales trainers, they, they teach you to do kind of a soap breakdown, right? The amount of money that you spend on the soap savings because legitimately, no, no salesy trickery when you do calculate the amount of money that you can save on your, on your the soaps and detergents you use and the wear and tear on your appliances, it actually does pay. It offsets the cost and pays for that mechanical water softener. But if we don't educate our customers, if we don't do what you're suggesting there, Jen, and, and educate them, then he, here's the results of that. Now they're spending twice as much money as they needed to spend because they're still – because they don't know any better, just like all the people on your – on your thing there, they don't know any better. They're you're, they're spending twice as much money as they need to because now they're treating their water both chemically and mechanically. They're spending the same amount of money on their soaps and detergents and still doing, still putting a full cup or, or more in the, in their dish, in, in their laundry detergent. And, and they're using these expensive pods with the, you know, with the chemical softener built into it on the um in their dishwasher and they're still squeegeeing and spraying and and buying all this stuff that's designed to treat hard water when they they have hopefully a system a mechanical system that's going to take out that hardness and, and solve those problems for them so it doesn't make sense for them to continue to spend that money and then this is some of you have heard my passion on this in the past you know the i believe that we also have a a a global responsibility to educate them simply because, you know, we use more energy and oil in this country to manufacture, recycle, and transport our plastics than we do in our residential vehicles. Okay. And so when we install a water softener, not only should we be saving money for the customer and making less work for the customer and, but we also, you know, 75% less laundry soap means 75% less Plastic to store that laundry soap, which means 75 percent less fuel to ship that that uh, that laundry detergent. So it actually makes that means 75 percent less plastic going into our landfills and oceans. Okay, so if we are out there and we're doing this job, I mean, I guess there's you can look at it as ah, it's just sales. We sail. I showed some pretty pictures and knew some words and people bought something. Yay! Good for you. You you did sales. Okay. Um, but if you really look at what we do for a living, what we do makes a difference. There, it has a global impact. And so to your point, yeah, Jim, we need to educate them. And exactly like you said, at the time of the sale and then at the follow-up because they forget about it. And this, is, this it completely screams the reason to not assume that just because somebody came in there and did their three hour magic show where they you know shook soap flask and did all the did all the scripted sales stuff that so many of these companies do okay that's i've rarely heard somebody i mean that, that that's an impressive presentation that two to three hour big long sales presentation it is a It is an impressive presentation that that really um, pulls on the heartstrings you know it, it draws on the emotion, but it also sometimes lacks the very simplistic explanation of mechanical versus chemical treatment, you know, and and so break it down to the basics for the customer and explain to them actually what you have, you know, that what you're, what you're offering them. You're not asking them to spend any more money than what they are already spending. All you're asking them to do is to stop spending it on plastics that are going to end up in landfills or the oceans and, and to spend it on something that's going to be a lot less maintenance and and, and work more consistently, so um, good, very yeah. good job. go ahead
1: in, in addition to that if you read into that post, if you psychoanalyze it like I like to do those things, um, if you psychoanalyze it she's she's blaming the water softener on soft water and the water softener on etching you know, or, or not etching, but, you know, destroying her her dishwasher um, and the pods. But, you know, she's looking at it as, you know what, soft water, it's not good because now that I'm using these pods, it's destroying my dishwasher. And, right. you know, kind of the same thing happens when you they're talking about, um, we saw on the Water Treatment Pros uh, Facebook page, somebody said, hey, a neighbor came over and said her glasses are etching because she has soft water. And so it's giving the soft water the bad name. If you are educating them, then they're not looking at soft water as, well, it's a bad thing. They're looking at, oh, it's a soap savings instead of soft water is bad because it's going to cause the suching. So that's another, you know, make, make sure that you're, you're praising the soft water and praising the soap savings, if anything.
0: Yeah. Anybody else have any thoughts on that? So anybody else have anything any, that they wanted to talk about before we – I do have a topic today that I wanted to talk briefly about. All right, so what I wanted to talk about today we, – we talked about this a couple years ago, and, and I was talking to Maria, I think, and, and uh, realized that we were kind of long overdue to have this conversation again, and it is – so <laughs> I, I was so I was talking to somebody um, about this and, and knew and that been in the industry about six months, and she said um, she said the one thing that I don't get is the ghosting, the ghosting, the the you know the people that just won't call back, that won't return the phone calls. Um, you guys all know what the term ghosting means, right? If, if you don't, then that's basically where you think you had a good relationship with somebody. Um, I know this, the term comes up like in, I, I always heard it when I was kind of doing the online dating thing, you know, like they you meet somebody and you go out and you think it connected really well. And, and then bam, you, you know, they, you never hear from them again. They just won't return your phone calls or emails. You call and, you know, you stand outside of their house with the boombox thinking, that hey, they're going to appreciate an 80s replay of something. You know, and you, you, you make them your first call from the police station. You know, the, I, you would think that people would appreciate it, but then they don't call you back ever. Then you get, you get the, the, you know, the notice in the mail that you've got the restraining order. I, all of, you know, wherever it goes, you've been ghosted. Okay. Um Wait a minute. I may have gone too far on that when we're talking about the sales part. Jen, help me out. Did I go too far on that? They.
1: Oh, just a little. <laughs> oh,
0: I, okay. Let's just go back to it to the, the example in sales then, just the sales part. No, seriously. It's it's when um you had that appointment. It went really well. You felt like they were kind of going to completely do it. They said, yeah, give me, give me a day or so to look at this. And then you call them because that's what you said you were going to do. And you thought you had this great report, but they don't call you back. And then you email them, and they don't, they don't email you back. And, you know, so the question comes in how, how long, you know, what, what is the procedure? When do you continue to, to reach out to them? You know when do you when do you stop when do you give up on that one you know how do you um, how do you not seem like a stalker that I was joking about right so how do you how do you make it to where you um you want you you let them know that you want their business and or even sometimes that's the hardest part is you can take it when you know and they say, "Oh, we've gone somewhere else yeah, that's disappointing, but it's also it's also somewhat of a relief to, to know to have the closure, I guess, on, on that sale. Then you can evaluate it and say, okay, what did I do that I, that I, you know, was there anything that I could have done to change the outcome of that? You know, was it simply priced? Was it the way I presented it? Did I not ask enough questions to realize what they needed to begin with? So I, I want to open that up. You know, I know you guys have all had that scenario Please let me know what your process is you so you've had that appointment. How soon do you follow up and how, and do you follow up? what method of follow up do you use that on that first that first attempt? What are you guys doing with that?
2: Yeah, I usually make a note uh, on like my, my CRM program as you follow up within a week, give them time and uh, I'll follow up. Either by email or uh, whatever their preference is, contact is.
0: And how often do you get ghosted? Is that Steve? Yeah.
2: Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> actually, not that often. Um, I'm going to say maybe two out of ten people kind of won't answer. And, um, yeah, I mean, when they do kind of answer me, if they went another way, usually it's price or something um, or they went with another company. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's acceptable and maybe – you can chime in on this. I'll even ask, you know, hey, do you mind me asking who you went with? And yeah. just get some more information of why they chose them.
0: Yeah, I think that that part right there <clears throat> could be a whole other conversation, Steve. I completely agree that it's, it's appropriate, especially if you had the type of relationship that was human. So, you know, if you went in there strictly as a salesperson and it was all this, you know, tell 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 and then you know like have this expectation then it becomes more difficult to ask that very human question you know do you mind if i ask what what made you decide to go there there you know i and so i think you're onto a couple things there okay first off the more salesy you present yourself as i think the less likely they are to see you as a human being with feelings recognizing that that this is a job that you are using to support your you and your family. And so I think they are more likely to um, to ghost or not return because they don't, they don't respect you enough to do that. So I think it begins with the way you present yourself from the very beginning. When you go in, and that's probably why you have such a good callback phrase, because just in, in the interactions I've had with you, I know you, you kind of present yourself as that very real non-salesy um, pushy pushy person you know that person that's gonna uh, you go in and you are very customer centric and you ask what what their needs are and you determine what their needs are and you show them that you're you're human and and so they are they're they're making a decision to buy not because they didn't like you in fact they did like you it but simply because of what you had to offer at that at that time you know as compared to what their needs are and so they are more likely to call back. I think it's really, if you have approached the, the whole presentation that way from the very beginning, um, they are, um, you know, I think they, they are more likely to give you that answer back. Now I will say sometimes the opposite can happen on that because there are some really nice people out there who decided to go somewhere else but didn't want to hurt your feelings. They didn't want to have to tell you, you know, so it wasn't, it, it, it was kind of the opposite. So there's a fine line there of, of you know, them realizing that you're human and, and them just not wanting to, you know, some people don't like to, to, they don't like conflict. And unfortunately, their experience with salespeople in the past has been just that. When they, when they call, if, you know, in the past when they've called and said, hey, I'm going somewhere else, most salespeople start bashing them right away. Well, oh, that was a mistake, I can't believe that, I, w- I should have done that, or guilting you, why didn't you call me and ask me this? I told you that's what I had. They don't wanna do that, they, they don't wanna hear that. If your customer has called you and made, a, and made a decision with somebody else, they're allowed to do that, they are an adult. And maybe they made it on false information, on bad information, if that's the case, they're gonna learn that down the road, okay? And the last thing you want them to think about is you. The way you they, they don't you don't want them to think about anything negative in terms of you. So that's where you say, oh, "I'm definitely disappointed. I, I would love to have the opportunity to help you out on this." However, that doesn't change just because you purchased something else. If you have any other questions or you have any, you need anything, please let me know. Okay, I I I still love to have another opportunity to to be able to help you. They're going to remember that versus that if you get in there and guilt them into the decision they made. The reason a lot of them don't call back when they went with somebody else is because they're in their experience. They have that salesperson that started guilting them and and doing all of that stuff. Um, So Steve, do you mind if I ask, you know, you said you wait a week. When you leave the customer and you haven't made that decision, how long are are you, what are you saying to them? Are you saying, hey, I'm going to touch, if I haven't heard from you, I'm going to touch base with you in a week. Are you asking them, or are you, going to, are you telling them that that's what you're going to do?
2: Yeah, it's usually one of my questions before I leave, the, you know, home doing the water cuts and stuff. I usually ask, hey, do you mind? You know, if I touch base with you in a week or so, um, you know, ask them what their preferred method of contact is. And, and usually they're like, yeah. yeah, if you don't hear from me, yeah, go ahead, you know, give me a call. And, uh, yeah. and like I said, usually they'll, they'll – again, I think you're correct there going along with just being personable, being friendly, um, and getting that kind of personal connection with them. I think uh, they respect somebody a lot more and they'll they'll pick up the phone even if they decide to go elsewhere or you know yes. decide to maybe put it off or something. So
0: So how long how many calls do you guys make and I'll open this up for everybody here? You know, how many how many attempts to contact somebody and what is the time frame in between them and the method you use before you decide to write not necessarily write it off but not focus as hard on it you know so so let's say you steve you've called them in a week or and please anybody else jump in on this too okay so you've called them in a week you got a voicemail you left a message um you sent them an email a text however you did it in whatever time frame how many how many attempts at that and this is the part where i do think about it a little bit in online dating because i I never wanted to be that stalker, right? I don't want to sound like I'm a, like I'm a stalker or desperate for the sale. So, you know, um, so how, how, many, how many attempts and, and how far in between? And what do you say when you, when you do them?
1: At least two over the next two weeks but probably not okay. a whole lot more than that.
0: I had a, any, anybody else? And how are you doing, I Stacey? are you doing an email or phone calls?
1: Um, part of it depends on their age range and how they were contacting in the first place. Oh, if they were really contacting a lot via email, asking a lot of questions, then I'll go email. Otherwise,
0: yeah. I'm going to call them. Yeah,
2: good, There's the occasional
0: good point. person I text. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I agree with yeah. that as well. Actually, one thing I do is before I, I head out to their home, usually 24 hours in advance, um, I'll send a text just you know confirming the appointment. And if I get a response in that, sometimes I'll use that you know text as
0: um, yeah. almost
2: mm-hmm. a third way of communicating back, depending on how you know a generation and and. and uh,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I had, a, there was a guy, when I first came in the industry, I went and rode with a dealership, down in Indianapolis, basically, down in your neck of the woods. And, and uh, I went and rode with the guy, spent the day with him as I was kind of learning. This guy would have a stack of files. And he would get on the phone, and I swear this is what he would say. It was so brash, and yet I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I would, never, I would never say it this way, but I was amazed at how, how many calls he got back. He would sit there at his desk and open the file and he'd go he go, Yeah, this is um you know, to say his name. you know, I'll just say my name. This is this is Kelly and uh, I would just want to let you know I've tried to reach out to you several times if if I'm just I'm gonna round file your, your folder here if I don't hear back from you by the end of the day. <laughs> he would say round file it. Like he's gonna throw away their folder if they don't call him back and say whether or not they're gonna buy anything. And I was amazed at how many calls he got back when he did that, oh, I'm sorry, I just, I, I got busy. No, we're, we're definitely going to do it. Give me next week. But people, they were calling him back. It was, it was kind of incredible, you know, that, so I don't suggest, I, it's not in me to be kind of that brash, but it, it was telling that these people, most of them, are not malicious. They do, they're just getting, you know, they're busy And water treatment isn't necessarily on the top of their mind. You know, they, they have other lives and they, and they get, they tend to get, they want to get back to it. You know, so the last, what I will usually do is that very real, very human thing. I'll say a variation of that when it gets down to the very end of it. I'll say, Hey, um, Jen, this is, this is, uh, Kelly Thompson with, um, motor vitality. I just, uh, don't want to keep bother bothering you on this, but I wanted to get an idea of whether or not I should close this out on my um, on my database or where you were at. Um, love to hear back with you and hear. I'm messing this all up, but uh, that's like fumbling around like that. Maybe it wouldn't be the best the best way, but um, hey, I just love to hear you back from you either way, uh, and. Um, uh, you know, so I, I'm not going to keep bothering you, but uh, maybe I, I'll touch base with you every so often just to see how things are going. So, and it, you know, if that's the message and then when you, when you say, you know, cause a lot of times they are expecting those salespeople to keep calling back um, over and over and over. So they're like, Oh, I got to call that guy back. I got to call that guy back. I got to call that lady back. I got to, yeah, we got to get that taken care of, but they're, but they're busy. And so if you say, Hey, I'm not going to bother you anymore. It it is a reminder that they have been calling, you know, that you've been calling and that you're not going to be reminding them to call you back anymore. That last message may prompt that phone call back. Hey, I'm really sorry. I haven't gotten back with you. I just want we've been so busy. Yeah, we're definitely still interested. We just have, we got to put it off for another week or two. Um, Or sometimes you get those calls back where they say, Hey, we're ready to do it. You know, So um, the one thing, the last thing, and we're, we're about out of time here, but the last thing to say on this is just because you put it in your customer not sold file doesn't mean that you give up on them and don't ever touch base. I think it's still good to send a, an email every once in a while, hey, just touching base. If there's ever anything I can do, let me know. Um, you'd be surprised at how many – six months later, out of the blue that you had completely written off, call you back and say, hey, we're ready to do that system now. I'm like, really? You totally ghosted me for a month and a half before, and now you're calling me like we're best buds? Sure, when do you want to put it in? I'll, I'll do it, absolutely. All right, um, final thoughts real quick before we're, we're done here?
2: Yeah, Kelly, Steve, again, I couldn't agree more with the, your last comment there. I've had many where I've reached back out months later after they said you know they're going to have somebody else do it their husband's going to do it and i've had some that uh, turn around said you know what we (laughs) never got around to it you know but let's do it with you so i couldn't agree more
0: um definitely don't leave don't burn your bridges anywhere with anybody okay so all right uh steve welcome i'm glad to have you here i hope to have you back in in uh in the future um everybody else Thank you very much. Please have a very safe and happy weekend, um, and uh, we will talk to you next week, if not before. So thanks, everybody. Be safe.
2: Thanks. Thank you.